0: Welcome in to the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. And this week, as we get set for the Montana-Montana State football game, we are happy to be joined by Mike Kramer as our guest. Mike Kramer, a native of Colton, Washington, outside of Coleman, had his college playing career at the University of Idaho and then became a head coach at three different institutions in the Big Sky Conference. He started at Eastern Washington in 1994, where he stayed until 1999. And then moved to Bozeman, becoming the head coach at Montana State from 2000 through 2006 was out of coaching for about five years and then returned to Idaho State as the head coach of the Bengals from 2011 through 2016. In the seven years that Mike Kramer was at Montana State, the Bobcats shared in three conference championships, had a second and a third as well, and made three appearances in the national playoffs. Coach Kramer has spent nearly his entire life in and around Football in the Big Sky Conference and has an intimate knowledge of the Cat-Grizz rivalry. Please enjoy this week's ESPN Roundtable with Mike Kramer.
1: Welcome in to our ESPN Roundtable Special Edition. Cat Grizz Week, Grizz Cat Week, Brawl of the Wild, whatever you want to call it, the greatest rivalry in college football. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Mike Kramer, a guy who's been involved in this rivalry on and off, both outside of it and inside of it and all the way around it. Coach Kramer, thanks so much for being with us today.
2: It's just great to be with you guys, and hello to everybody in Montana.
1: First of all, Let's go way back to your time playing for the Idaho Vandals. That You have as long of a history in the Big Sky Conference as anybody I know. That's how we got to know each other was just kind of talking the history of the Big Sky. But when you were playing for the Vandals and growing up in eastern Washington, when did Montana-Montana State, those two programs, and the ferocity of the rivalry first land on your radar?
2: Well, culture. I might be the second oldest guy associated with the Big Sky Conference way back, as Coach Erickson's still alive and, <laughs> and <he's> doing well.
0: <laughs>
2: and of course, of course, uh, Coach Erickson played quarterback for the Bobcats in the Cat Grizz Grizz Cat rivalry uh, under Coach Jim Sweeney, and that's when I really got to understand it. Simply because uh, I was becoming a college fan, and I was watching the University of Idaho play. Uh, against the two Montana teams. And then every year, it seemed like the end of October, these two guys would get together, and it turned out to be really something. And then early in my, or late in my high school coaching career, or high school playing career, uh, my head coach was Dewey Allen, who had played at the University of Montana, and he brought some of that rivalry to us. And then Mick Dennehy, of course, who would later become the head football coach at University of Montana, uh, came to Colton, Washington, and coached my brother's allowed me to be a part of the staff in 1976 and every every year um about the end of october mixed eyes would glaze over a little bit <laughs> and it would be time for the rivalry to be on and, and going and then of course uh i got a chance to go and coach at helena high school which is right in the middle you know right right you know whether you're a cat or a grizz it was right in the middle but in 1977 the bobcats were coming off the national championship and of course the Grizzlies were uh, a well-beyond program that suffered the ignominies of the N.C.A. violations, and on a near death penalty and a near end of the program, according to student athlete voted at, at Missoula. And we we got a chance to go over and watch a couple of games, and they weren't they weren't as titanic as as they did eventually become.
0: And in the early 80s,
2: uh, I joined Dave Arnold's staff down in Bozeman at Montana State, and
0: uh, our
2: first year. Uh, coming off a, a six and five season, we ended up going one and ten. But that one was a, a win over the Grizzlies, and I think we partied for the next three hundred and
0: sixty-four
2: days <laughs> <played> <laughs> with Marty Morningweg in Dorn Place. And, uh, and uh, Coach Morningweg now you know, of a, a great fame and a great repute, had taken the Grizzlies into the one double playoffs in nineteen eighty-two, and and he was he was at the downswing of his career and. and my gosh, we were really playing well, and but we were behind at halftime in Doran Blazer, 20 to 10. We came back and won 34-24 behind the strength of a couple of touchdowns by a kid from Missoula by the name of Tom Malum. And that's when I really felt the personality and the personal ownership of the game, not necessarily from a team point of view, but from an individual player point of view and what it meant. To all guys on both sides, forever and ever and ever and ever, because if you're born and raised, and you move away, you still come back. You're you always come back to Montana. And if you're a if you're born, you're either cat or grizz. You're one or the other, and you really don't ever bleed colors either way. So uh, it's it's been a wonderful rivalry. Uh, uh, of course, under Coach Reed, it got away from Bobcats for a while, and then he got an opportunity to close the gap a little bit. in the Early part of the early millennium, and then, uh, of course, it's been back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then some incomparable finishes, especially last year. But last year's finish was the reason you never leave. You never, never, never go to your car, never want to listen to post game. be in the stadium, and watch it to the final inch because literally, you know, after hundreds of years of playing this game, not hundreds, but over 100 years of playing this game, it came down to literally <laughs> – a couple of inches uh, for the Grizz and the Cats, and the Cats were able to get away with a, a steal
0: at the end. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Montana renewed its rivalry with Idaho for the first time in 16 years. In Missoula, uh, they had played last season in, in Moscow. But you, of course, played uh, at Idaho. Do you? Ha- what kind of rivalry was it with Montana between Montana and Idaho, which has been ongoing also for over a hundred years? It was not. It was not. It was not a.
2: You know, when when I went to Idaho in the in the early seventies, nineteen seventy two was my freshman year. Boise State was just starting to rise, and it seemed like all of a sudden our attention was was pointed that way. <laughs> and, and I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, in my career against the University of Montana, I think I won one game. So <laughs> it was it wasn't that it was a rivalry, but it was there were bigger things on the horizon for us at that time for Idaho. And Idaho, even in the seventies, was still trying to chase, you know, something bigger than than the big sky conference and it's just so apropos that idaho has had to redig dig itself back into what i consider to be the absolute perfect spot for a lot of these intermountain teams to play against each other every year regardless of where you have to go to make money and how you have to, go to make money idaho belongs in the conference with montana and montana state eastern washington they need to throw themselves at each other they need to recruit north pacific northwest guys and there needs to be something more personal involved. Because, you know, here's the other thing uh, about the Idaho-Montana thing, is that when we played against the University of Montana, almost all the Montana guys were from Montana. Well, a lot of the Idaho guys that I played with were also from Idaho. So there was a little bit of that. But if you look at the rosters, like I did last weekend, uh, there's something missing a little bit, especially at Idaho. Uh, they don't have hardly a kid from the state of Idaho on their roster. And I, I think that that's, that's a travesty. and, and hopefully. Coach Patrino and his staff will will adjust themselves and become more part of uh, what I consider to be the the bread and butter of of our conference, which is local-grown talent that turns into something extraordinary.
1: The fact that Idaho moved down from the FBS, though, do you think that gives them an opportunity to recruit more in-state kids just because it seems like there's more FCS-caliber talent in the state?
2: That's a good question, Coulter. But here's what happened. Idaho lost its way in recruiting. Um, when Idaho was good under Dennis Erickson and then after with Keith Gilbertson and John L. Smith, they had a lot of Washington guys in their roster. They had a couple Idaho guys, but they had a lot of Washington guys in their roster, especially uh, up and down the I-5 corridor and especially out of Spokane. My best friends are John Yarno and Chris Tormean. One went to Gonzaga Prep and the other one went to Ferris. And they both played in Idaho. and They were both outstanding football players there. And you know, There's not a Spokane kid or depth of Spokane kids on Idaho's roster. And I know that there's really good football played in Eastern Washington at big schools and small schools and obviously through Montana and North Idaho and way over in the Seattle-Tacoma area. Those guys need to stay within these four big-sky schools or (laughs) at Portland State to that mix in those five big-sky schools. And it would just create such great fan interest game after game after game after game after game. But I, I think that's what Idaho has missed, and it was wonderful to see Montana put it on for maybe some malfeasance
0: on Idaho's part. Mike Kramer joining us on the ESPN Roundtable, former head coach at, uh, well, like 37% of the Big Sky (laughs) Conference, uh, (laughs) Eastern Washington, MSU, and Idaho State. Uh, Been around the rivalry a long time, headed into Cat Grizz.
1: When you were talking about when you first got into coaching and then uh, when you first got into college coaching, that whole time, the pendulum swinging back and forth was interesting to me because – you have Sonny Holland and Montana State, and Montana State is dominating the Grizzlies in all aspects, and they win the 1976 national title. They ascend to number one in the country in 1978. Sonny Lubick takes over when Sonny Holland steps away, and he recruits this tremendous group of Montana guys. I know Mick Delaney was on that staff as well, and I know those guys, some of those Montana guys from small schools, you know, class B schools, guys like Joe Bignell you know guys like cleet linebarger that set the stage then for that 1984 championship run but in the meantime in the 1982 when the grizzlies won that title with Marty Morningweg and Brian Salonen and that whole group that sort of set the stage for then their rise when the when Harley Lewis built Washington Grizzly Stadium and that opened in 1986 so just back and forth it goes the cats win in 1984 then Don Reed comes in 1985 and the Washington Grizzlies built in 1986 and then Montana has this sustained Dominance. What do you think of just the way that it, it swung back and forth? And what was the key factor to Montana then seizing the rivalry for 16 plus years?
2: You know, guys, I, I, I think of this ball game as not necessarily a game for the fans or the boosters or even the players and the coaches. This is a game of grade schools. Because if you're a Grizz kid and you're fourth grade or fifth grade and you wear a Grizzly shirt to school, and the Grizzlies haven't won for a while. All those Bobcat kids are going to tease the living dog water out of you, and the same thing happened <laughs> to the Bobcats. And so, as it, as as the rivalry lost a little bit of balance there uh, in the '90s, we were losing the war not in the stands and in recruiting; we we're losing the war in the grade school. And so that's why this game means so much because at home, Grandpa, Grandma, Mom, and Dad, uncles, and aunts are all sitting around, they're talking about the game. And you're learning you know, you're learning something about the game, whether you're a, a, a boy or a girl, and you're thinking about where you want to go to school and hey, you don't want to be a Thanksgiving <laughs> being the guy that's catching all the guff, because the school that you might like it doesn't didn't win that game. And so I think the passion for success are grown so early in Montana about this game. I will be thinking about this game this week as as the cats and the grizz play, about how this is gonna impact the future generations of not just players, but of students who become fans, who become boosters, who, be, who make this rivalry continue to grow and evolve for another
0: 100 years. The rest of our conversation with former Montana State head football coach Mike Kramer, right after this. It is the fiercest rivalry in college
1: football, and on November 22nd, Universal Athletic, Uptop Clothing, and ESPN Missoula will team together to bring you a special edition of Tutel Nuanes. Broadcasting from the Universal Athletic headquarters in Bozeman, swing into Universal Athletic to check out the Montana Football Hall of Fame, get your Grizz and Bobcat gear, and hear the best sports talk radio in Montana previewing the 119th rendition of the historic rivalry. Universal Athletic and Uptap Clothing are passionate supporters of athletics around the great state of Montana.
0: Boys and girls, it is football season, and there is no better place to sit and enjoy a game, all the games, than Paradise Falls. Colter on the south end of town, 18 rotating beer tab handles, a great late happy hour, 30 televisions, a bunch of different rooms to watch. Why wouldn't you go to Paradise Falls if you're going to go ahead and watch some football?
1: So often during football season I hear, what is ESPN3? How do I find ESPN3? Well, Paradise Falls not only has ESPN3, but they have ESPN3 on every single TV at their entire establishment. So if you have a game that you need to watch, Paradise Falls has got it, period, point blank, 30 TVs spread around a great, spacious area. Like you said, 18 draft beers, a breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu. Hardly any place in town are going to be able to find that sort of access, that sort of food, that sort of service.
0: 3621 Brook Street near the intersection of Reserve and Brooks on the south end of the city. There's not a lot of options that way. Paradise Falls is a great one. And like you said, watch any game you want all the time, all season long at Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls is Missoula's coolest hot spot. Coach, in 1994, you take over as the head man at Eastern Washington. Your first head coaching job in the Big Sky, and uh, you were there six years, very successful. In national semifinal in '97, but as as a as a head coach at Eastern, it seems like both the Montana schools are sort of secondary rivalries, but still strong rivals of Eastern Washington. What was your perspective on the schools at that time when you were then, you know, having been in the conference that whole time? But it's a different perch when you're the head coach at a, at a school.
2: Well, I had the great fortune of being able to be the head coach against uh the greatest player in the history of our conference, Dave Dickinson, and he made me pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that guy, that guy and that team, you know, uh, you know, first I got to coach against lead lead the team against Coach Reed in nineteen ninety five, which of course uh was a mitigated disaster for us. We were a young eastern Washington football team and we got whacked and of course the Grizzlies went on and won the title and then a couple of years later, we were finally strong enough and good enough to be able to go into Washington Grizzly and, and win the game. In the meantime, as we were playing against Montana State under Coach Heisel, Coach Heisel was still in a stol- solid, steady base. In fact, the flavor of Bobcat football today—it's not the fly anywhere, do everything offense that maybe a lot of the teams have. It's still the flavor that Coach Cliff Heisel imbued in the school uh, in, the, in the 1990s you know, run the ball play good defense, be solid in the kicking game. If you got to throw it, close your eyes and hope it gets caught, and then just keep on marching. (laughs) So uh, there there were a lot of things that happened to me early in my head coaching career that are still true today. Washington Grizzlies still a sellout. The Grizzlies still can beat you with a pack. The Bobcats are still tough on defense, and you've got to pay the price of toughness to be able to find a way to eke out a win against either program. So uh, toughness counts. Uh, The fans are awesome. This is just such a special, special, special deal that supersedes Auburn, Alabama, Army, Navy, all these other rivalries. A lot of other people can talk about because the personal part of this is as good as bread and jam. I mean, it's just, there's nothing closer. And I just think that that's that's one of the cool things about what'll happen Saturday In
1: 1999, going into the 2000 season, then you make the jump from Eastern Washington to Montana State. So before we get into the quest to end the streak. Tell us that story. What was the experience like? What led you to want to take the Montana State job?
2: I haven't been there. Uh, so many great players have played with the us when I was there. And, uh, between Joe Roberts and a, and a couple other guys who were, who's a Missoula guy and who, who played a big role in, in our success at Montana State. There was just a really nice opportunity, led by Chuck Lindemann and Chris and Mike Malone. To go to a school, that was a half. Now, Eastern Washington is a good school, but it's still a half-not. Montana State is a half. You look at the stadium, you look at the facilities, you look at the infrastructure, you look at the fan base, you look at the booster revenue, you look at the mission of the university. It was more attractive to me than staying at Eastern Washington, laboring in the shadows, i.e. with great talent, but not necessarily with the full aura of, of being a head college football coach. And then... Of course, we go to Bozeman and immediately, uh, unfortunately for us, the tragic loss of Mike Malone. And then Chuck uh, was hit, was injured. He hurt his neck and, and kind of forced into retirement and had to step away. And all of a sudden, we were leaderless. We had no president. We had our, our athletic director was interim. And it was like, and we were, we weren't very good. And that was going to culminate in being Owen 11. And uh, it was about as not much fun as you can get to, we had seventeen seniors when I took over the program four of them made it to the start of the next season. two of them uh, Sean Ross and Ari Gray, are two of the great Montana kids in the history of the program and their senior year went down so at eleven and both those guys are, are still great friends and we owe them a lot to our success because they helped us build the foundation that two years later would culminate and uh, you know one of the one of those things that <laughs> I get to stand before God, and God will say, "Okay, here's one good
1: thing you did." <laughs> 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 well, take take us back to that 2002 game at Washington Grizzly Stadium, because at that moment, the streak had honestly become out of hand. I mean, the Montana had dominated the rivalry so thoroughly, the Bobcats had lost, and yeah, uh, they'd lost big, they'd lost small, they'd lost in heartbreaking fashion, they've lost in humiliating fashion. It Had been. A crazy time, and an entire generation of Cat fans did not get to see a win over the Grizz. But then you and freshman quarterback Travis Lule, who's been on this show a couple times before as well, go to Washington Grizzly Stadium, and it was one of the most epic games in the rivalry, and one that I certainly will never forget. But what do you remember about your team's mindset going into that game, and what do you remember about what you guys were able to accomplish that afternoon? Well,
2: let's take off the things we were facing. Um... We'd had a decent year. Um, we were given a chance to t- maybe tie for the conference championship, but the team we were playing against was a defending national champion, led by Joe Glenn, who, who led them to the title, led by their quarterback, John Edwards, who had I- embodied everything that the Cadgreys rivalry was about, is about, and will always be about. Montana kid that was just an outstanding football player. But we came in with With Jimmy Lake, who also played for us at Eastern Washington, out at the University of Washington, so there was a lot of a, a lot of heroes in in that game on both sides who are still viable and a big part of our college football and the college landscape today. But we went into the game. Uh, we'd been a little injured wide receiver. We we'd won a couple games with some backup wide receivers, but our receiving court led by Junior Adams, who's now at the University of Washington, assistant wide receiver coach, was finally healthy and. We also knew that if we could play enough kicking team defense, not not defense and kicking game, but kicking team defense, we'd have a chance to hold it because our defense in front was phenomenal. Front seven, the linebacker, linebacking fours, the down guys. Of course, Joey Thomas at corner with Jay Hackett at the other corner. These guys were stoppers. I mean, these guys, we could play man coverage on every down. and We did against Washington State that year, and Washington State, had gone to a big bowl game. So we felt like we were athletically where we needed to be. We felt like after two years, we imbued our team with enough of the, of the spirit to go. And I, I, we had just a, a really good plan. And a plan uh, on offense was simply that if they showed pressure, we were going to throw a slant to the inside slot because we felt like the safety would overrun it. As we got into a drive and got across midfield, and we, we had a, we had an opportunity. Uh, the Grizzlies like to zone pressure um, under <laughs> under Coach Bresky, and and they who who's still at the University of Idaho, and they would bring zone pressure, and the safety would rotate down to cover the slot, and that was just a, a win for us. If Travis could get rid of the ball before the outside safety got to him, uh, it could be a touchdown. And simply on that play, that's exactly what happened. But well, lo and behold, though, uh, into the teeth of that that. Play he comes here. Come the Grizzlies, charging back. we were able to kick a field goal, get a ten-zero lead, and then here comes Johnny, bringing them all back. But our defensive front, led by Roger Cooper and uh, David Smith and uh, Jason DeCastro, and uh, lots and lots and lots of great players, John Montoya, they were able to hold the fort. And all of a sudden, the game's over. I mean, I, I'm telling you, fellas, you know, 19 years later, 18, 17 years later. Uh, it's still shocking to me that the game got over. i was like, when, when it ticked down to zero, it was like, really? I mean, really? I'm like, really? And it's like when you discovered that maybe there wasn't an Eastern bunny or maybe there wasn't a Santa Claus. You, you know, <laughs> really? really? I'm not sure I want to believe this. So, so it's, 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 it's a, it was a great honor to coach in that game. And it's uh, it's a, it's a beyond a lifetime experience for us to have made that rivalry back into something that's fun for everybody. And, Fun to be a part of, but it's also uh, not, I wouldn't say deadly serious because war is deadly serious. <laughs> this is serious, but it's not deadly serious.
1: Do you want $3 beers?
0: You're crazy!
1: Of course you do. Who doesn't want a $3 beer? For $3 micro brews and much more, come check out one of the best late happy hours in town at Paradise Falls. Sunday through Thursday from 9 p.m. until 11, Paradise has $3 micro brews along with $6 apps, $2 domestics, and much more. If you're on the move for an evening cocktail, come to 3621 Brook Street Sunday through Thursday, 9 until 11, to enjoy the best late happy hour in town at Paradise Falls. I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty.
0: Mike Kramer joining us. He was the head coach at Montana State from 2000 to 2006, uh, head coach in the Big Sky Conference for, oh, about 15 years plus uh, around different schools. <laughs> and, Coach, w- w- you, you talked about the fact that when you were an assistant coach uh, at Montana State, is kind of the first time where you got maybe the first-person personal uh, sort of uh, window into what the rivalry is and was all about. As the head coach, you talked about the the game and ending the streak and what that was like, but in broad scope, what was it like for you, Uh, you know, as the head coach of Montana State, to play every year against Montana in, in, in the Cackers game?
2: Win the game or get fired. Yeah. I mean, really, win the game or get fired. I mean, literally – as an assistant coach or head coach, it's win the game or get fired. You know, and, and even if you have had, and if you're undefeated, and you got things going or whatever, you lose this game, you know, on Monday you're holding your breath, literally, literally every single year from 83, 84, 85, 86, and then 2000 to 2006, every Monday after the game, if we had lost, it was hold your breath. You literally hold your breath. Because it was so important, and of course, in eighty after the eighty-six game in which Mike Rice and, and Brent Pease had just torn us to pieces, we held our breath long enough to be fired on Tuesday. And <laughs> so it happened, you know, it, it really happened. So in two thousand, uh, we lose uh, fourteen to three or twenty-one to three, and I'm thinking that's my first year. But we didn't win a game. We didn't beat the Grizzlies. I might not be here Tuesday, and I sat with our interim athletic director, and he said, okay, go get him. And then a year later, you know, we, we were competitive in the game in Bozeman. But the Grizzlies, who were headed for the national championship again under John Edwards and Joe, uh, the game came down to literally one play. And I think you guys love this story. Uh, they punted to us, and Junior Adams was our punt return, he was leading punt returner in the country. And we ran a punt return scheme where we didn't block a guy. There was one guy, one guy in the front who didn't get blocked. And that guy was the grizzly left tackle. And his name was Andy Thompson, the defense, current defensive coordinator down at Sacramento State who's having a, a tremendous year. And the ball got punted outside the right hash. And Andy was playing left tackle. And he comes sprinting downfield about 40, 45 yards. And he closes in on Junior and he wraps him up and makes the tackle. Literally, if he didn't make that tackle, Junior Adams was going to score. We had every single other player pinned. And I can remember almost 100 plays like that in categories where I can tell you the flavor, the feel, the time on the clock, what was going on, where the big parts were, and, and what was going on. So uh, that was just a heck of a play by a, by a guy, but just an instance of how mercurial this, you know, this rivalry and game will be for these guys on Saturday.
0: You said from a coach's standpoint, it's uh... – it's it's job serious uh, that, that you might not have one if you don't win it. For the fans, and there's nothing else like it. I mean, even for the players, I'm sure for the coaches as well, the seriousness of it is part of what makes it great. But is it crazy? Like, is it, is that, isn't that that crazy that one game over an entire season or maybe portions of a person's career can be the sort of overwhelming statement about whether you're successful or not? Yeah.
2: <laughs> My answer to that is real simple. Sports in America is a phenomenon. There's just no rationale why hundreds (laughs) of billions of dollars would be spent on an oblong ball that the rest of the world just cannot conceptualize. I mean, it's just, it's getting better every year. I don't want to say it's crazier every year. It's more phenomenal every year, but it's better every year. There's just more interest, more caring. We're doing a better job of looking at why guys get hurt, or what what the impact of collisions are? We're doing a better job of protecting the the, the players that play in the game. We're doing a better job of presenting our product uh, to all genres, all people, all interests. We're doing a better job of making sure that guys that go to college you get degrees. We're making a better doing a better job of taking, making sure the guys go in the NFL that they don't retire crippled. We're doing a better job at the high school level of making sure that we don't. Play too often, or without enough rest, or we play too many games. There's just so many ways in which we're enhancing a phenomena that has no rhyme or reason. Or there's just no scientific base that you can say it that can justify this, but it is, and because it is, it's fun. And if it's got to be, if it's going to be there, <laughs> it's going to exist. It might as well be as fun as anything, and and the fans have turned it into something. Not religious, but something awful close to devotion.
1: We'll get you out of here on this then, Coach. This is the 119th rendition of this great rivalry, and it's <laughs> it's sort of come full circle now with the fact that it's more even than it's been. Uh, this last two decades has been back and forth. You know, Montana, Montana State, they've beat each other uh, quite frequently, won, winning on the road more often than not this decade. But what do you think this— rivalry means this is to the Big Sky Conference in general and where do you think this rivalry ranks on a national scale?
2: Well on a national scale, you know, not very many people have been to Montana so they don't know. And and that's fine. <laughs> Stay away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no
0: doubt. <All> right.
2: <laughs> on a personal level, or uh, to to all the players involved, I don't think the trophy should travel. I think that the state legislature should build a building on top of the divide. Above you and house that sucker in a cat grizz museum and tell the story of what this rivalry is really all about. Because from Ekalaka to Libby, from Plentywood down to the far reaches of Dillon, this thing is the most fun event that Montana can ever has ever had. And it just it, it replicates itself every single year. And whether you're at the game side or you're on the radio or you're watching on TV, you're going to talk about it for 364 more days until next year. So win, lose, tie, or draw. This thing is going to last a long time. It's great to see some balance in it. I love both coaching staffs and how they're playing. I they got their guys playing this year. should be a lot of fun. But guess what? There's going to be another one next year. It's going to be just as much fun.
0: One other thing for you here before you we get you out of here, Coach, but what are you up to these days, and come Saturday, what are you, are you going to have this thing, are you going to take a look at uh, rivalry game number 119?
2: Well, number one, uh, thanks to uh, the internet, I'm able to watch every team in the big sky play almost the entire year, and I, I'm really up to speed on where everybody's at, how they're playing, I get a chance to record all the games and watch them again, and I want to stay on top of the science of the ball game. I don't know the personalities as much, and I don't know the story behind the players, which is something that is is really the story behind this grizz game. So I'm involved in watching the games. I'm having a lot of fun being retired. uh, (laughs) I'm actually doing some minor logging today. (laughs) Nice. I I guess that would make that would make that would make me probably a a a Grizzly fan today. So (laughs) like like, close to Olivia doing some actually doing some. log on some property i have up here in north idaho but i'm um, enjoying myself i'm healthy uh I, I miss the sport a lot and i miss the interaction with all the players what i don't miss is i don't miss the nail biting <laughs> the nail biting and the cell phone i just that's something that just has gotten make the sport a little bit different than it maybe it needs to be uh it, the instantaneous gratification that people want from today's event is something that uh it's, it's a new phenomena, and uh, I get a chance to watch it, but not necessarily have my life tied
1: up. There. We're not going to ask you to make a pick, but I do want to get your perspective on this. is a, a Coach Houck team in year two. Bobby Houck has his identity on this team faster than I think a lot of people expected. It's certainly Jeff Choate's identity at Montana State. I thought your parallel between him and Cliff Heisel's teams was great because they do. They run the ball with authority, they play great defense, and they play with an edge, just like Coach Heisel's teams did, very similar to what your teams did as well. But just the dynamic of these two head coaches clashing, what do you expect? How, how do you think this game is going to play out on Saturday?
2: If every every one of it comes down, Every every time this game is played, it comes down to mistakes. Who can avoid the catastrophic mistake? And who can make the mistake that they make not turned into something that they can't overcome. A fumble punt, a 15-yard penalty, holding penalty just before you score, or as last game, <laughs> her last year's game was typified by the last play, a fumble in the red zone, inside the one, going in for the win. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so to me, it's, it's how can you do everything you know how to do? And when you make a mistake, not make that mistake, be such a blemish. Both coaches are experienced. Both coaches are savvy. Both staffs understand what's at stake. Uh, Rather than make a prediction, I just hope everybody enjoys the entire piece of the pie because it's, uh, it's something that we have to wait again, another 364 days to see next year.
0: Well, Coach, in typical uh, two-tell ones fashion, we said we had one last question for you and asked you ten more, but we appreciate it very much uh, you've been with us. It's been a blast to, to talk with you and get your perspective kind of looking back on a rivalry that you've been in and around for, for decades. Uh, so we really, really appreciate it and best to you. Enjoy the game Saturday and the logging today, all right? <laughs> well, my
2: last thing to you guys, very simply, is thanks for having me. Be on and having an opportunity to talk about something I think about uh, five minutes out of every hour for the rest of my life. I always think about, you know, coaching at Montana State, being in Montana, seeing all the people, knowing all the people in all the towns, and and being a part of that rivalry, because I'm a huge, huge, huge Grizz fan, and I'm a huge Bobby Hawk fan, but I'm also a Bobcat. I got a paycheck from there, and I'm still loyal to being a Bobcat, so I say go Grizz and go Cats, and hey, let's have some fun.
1: It is the fiercest rivalry in college football, and on November 22nd, Universal Athletic, Uptop Clothing, and ESPN Missoula will team together to bring you a special edition of Tutel Nuanes. Broadcasting from the Universal Athletic headquarters in Bozeman, swing into Universal Athletic to check out the Montana Football Hall of Fame, get your Grizz and Bobcat gear, and hear the best sports talk radio in Montana previewing the 119th rendition of the historic rivalry. Universal Athletic and Uptop Clothing are passionate supporters of athletics around the great state of Montana.